Well, God bless you, my beloved. God bless you. 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 This is Minister S.M. Crockett Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship. Coming to you on Thursday evening, April 23rd, 2020, in the year of our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We bless him and we praise him and we thank him for allowing us to be here tonight. NFL draft night. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. So I'm representing. I got my Bills hat. Uh, I guess I should um, bring my Falcons hat over here. I forgot to bring it. Let me go get my Falcons hat. I'll be right back. Falcons don't have a pick in the first round. Uh, the Bills, I should say. The Bills don't have a pick in the first round. They traded that pick away for uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, the Minnesota Vikings' uh, deep threat. All right. So anyway, so we're going to talk tonight from... Uh, uh, we're going to continue talking about how do we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and, Sa and Savior Jesus Christ. After studying 1 John, how do we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? After studying 1 John, let me get a couple of more things situated here, and then we can get started. I've got the draft on, but I've got it on almost on mute. I've got it turned down. I've got the volume turned down almost all the way. All right, there you go. So I got my Bills hat on. I got my Falcons hat. My second favorite team would be the Falcons. My favorite team would be my Bills. I'm from Buffalo. So I got to represent my Bills first. And I got my Falcons hat on right here. All right, so how do we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever? We left off uh, talking Sunday. I believe it was Sunday morning, which was the last time we met. And we were talking about uh, that we that we have to grow in grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. We grow in grace when we recognize that certain earthly events are signs. We can't ignore the signs, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot ignore the signs. I know different Christians have different views about the coming of Jesus. I know that. I respect that. I'm not here to fight about that. Right? There are different Christians who have different views about when will Jesus return. And there are Christians who are called premillennialists. There are Christians who are called amillennialists. There are Christians who are called postmillennialists. I'm sure there are, well, actually, amillennialists are the no millennialists. They, they don't believe there will be a millennial kingdom. That's why it's called amillennialism. I know that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm premillennialist. I believe that Jesus will return for the church at some time, and we don't know when. It could be tonight. I, I don't believe, and those who are premillennialists, most of us, we don't believe that there are any more signs that have to be fulfilled for Jesus to return for the church. But, you know, I'm not here to argue about when Jesus will return and who's, who's right, postmillennialism, etc., but I will say this to you. There are signs that lead up to the signs. Let me explain that. There are signs that are going on in the earth that have been going on in the earth for a long time. 
that are leading up to the signs. In other words, if you see, uh, uh, let me give you an example. A couple of hundred years before Jesus walked the earth, there was an emperor, I think he was, he might have been Greek, but I can't remember. I do know his name, but he took a pig and he took the pig and he put it on the altar in the Jewish temple. He desecrated the Jewish temple and he sacrificed the pig to the, to the Greek god Zeus. That is what is known as the abomination of desolation. But that, that sign points to a greater sign that will occur in the future when the Antichrist will stand in the temple of God, sit in the temple of God, actually, and he will declare himself to be God. So let me say that again. Around 200 years, I don't know the exact year. It's been a minute since I, I, I read it. About 200 years before Jesus walked the earth, there was a ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes. He took a pig. Now, you know how the Jews are, how God is with the Jews about pork and the pig. He took a pig into the Jewish temple, which was still standing at that time. He took a, a pig into the Jewish temple. He sacrificed the pig on the altar to the God lowercase g-o-d zeus that was an abomination of desolation but that abomination of desolation was a sign that will lead that that points to the greater abomination of desolation one day that has not occurred yet when the antichrist uppercase a will sit in the temple of god second thessalonians chapter 2 the Antichrist, the Antichrist, not the spirit of Antichrist, the, the Antichrist himself. The Bible says he will sit in the temple of God and declare himself to be God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Daniel chapter 11, uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, the, Jesus talked, and Jesus said this after Antiochus Epiphanes had done this. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, let those who be in Judea flee to the mountains, etc. So what I'm saying is sometimes in, in Bible prophecy and history, something can happen, an event can happen that can portend or point to a similar but greater event that will happen down the road. Let me give you another example. Adolf Hitler was not the Antichrist. But he certainly had the spirit of Antichrist. But what Adolf Hitler did in 19, he became chancellor of Germany around 1933 until his death by suicide in 1945. What Adolf Hitler did points to the day when the Antichrist will come. Whose working and power will be after the working and power of Satan. Hitler tried to exterminate the Jewish nation. He tried to, but the hand, the puppet master behind the curtain, if you will, if you've seen the Wizard of Oz, the puppet master behind the curtain was Satan. Satan used Hitler to try to exterminate the nation of Israel. That points to a day when the Antichrist will make a, 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 a pact with Israel for seven years. And in the middle of the seven years, the Antichrist is going to break the agreement and disallow the Jews to continue to sacrifice in their temple. 
Remember the Jews, most of them as a nation, the Jews don't believe that Jesus is the, is the Messiah. They don't believe he's the last and perfect sacrifice for sins. So because they don't believe this, one day, and I, we don't know when, one day the, the, the third Jewish temple would be rebuilt. And the Jews will, uh, in agreement with the Antichrist, they won't know he's the Antichrist, but in, the, in agreement with the Antichrist, the Jews will reserve, will resume their sacrifices in the temple. In the middle of the seven years, which is three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to throw the Jews under the bus. Kind of like President Trump threw the, 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 the uh, governor of Georgia under the bus. It's just it's classic. <laughs> he he threw the, the the governor of Georgia under the bus. You know he Trump was saying liberate this state, liberate that state. Then when the governor of Georgia said okay, we're going to reopen, then Trump said, well, you know I disagree with that. He's opening too soon. That is an example of how the Antichrist is going to throw the Jews under the bus, and he's going to demand that they stop their sacrifices. Because he's going to sit in the temple of God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He's going to sit in the temple of God and declare himself to be God. And, God and, 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 and the only thing that's going to be able to stop him will be the second coming of Jesus. I'm saying all that to say this. There are signs that point to the signs. There are signs that point to the signs. So when we have a pestilence today, the coronavirus... Or we have the flu of 1918 that killed millions of people. Some estimates are as high as 100 million people, 20 million in India, about a million people in this country. When we have signs like the um, flu in 1918, the SARS flu, the MERS flu, which was a Middle Eastern flu, came from a camel, uh, the SARS, the bird flu, these are all pestilences. These are all, these are all, these are all signs that Jesus said would occur, but they all point to the greater signs. In other words, during the days of the great tribulation, which will be seven years, these things that are going on now with the coronavirus, etc., these things will be multiplied greatly. So we need to pay attention to these signs that are going on in the earth. We can't just ignore them. Not, not, not if we're true believers in Jesus. Now, let me say this. There are no signs that have to occur before the church is raptured. Now, now that's that's the premillennial, pre-tribulation position. That's the position I believe in. It doesn't mean all Christians believe in that position because they don't. I'm telling you, those of us though who are premillennial, pre-tribulation, we don't believe the church is going to go through the tribulation. We don't believe there are any signs that have to occur before Jesus comes for the church. It's called the eminence. It's called the doctrine of eminency, meaning Jesus could come back at any time. There are no there are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back. It's called the doctrine of eminency. I'm I'm in that school of thought, but it doesn't mean because I'm in it that you know anybody who's not in it doesn't mean they're you know of the devil or whatever. Is there are different schools of thought? Uh, about the coming of Christ, etc. All right. So those of us who are in that school of thought, we don't believe that there are any signs that have to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back. That's for the church. That's not talking about when Jesus comes back to the earth to establish the uh, the uh, kingdom of David, uh, the millennial kingdom. 
there are signs that have to be fulfilled before that happens. That's where you get into what's called the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, and a bunch of other scriptures. So, there, so those of us who believe that Jesus is coming back for the church, we also believe, uh, 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 pre-tribulation, we also believe that Jesus in Revelation 19, he will return to the earth and destroy the enemies of the gospel and the enemies, of course, of Israel. This is when Israel would be redeemed. Jesus said before he was crucified to the Jews, right before they turned him over to the Romans, Jesus said, you will not see me again. This is very important. Jesus said to the Jews in, uh, in Matthew 23, uh, I believe it's 38 and 39, you will not see me again, he said to the Jews, until you say, hear that? Not until I say, until the Jews, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was telling the Jews, because in that same passage, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and those who are sent to you, including himself, he was talking about, because they were about to crucify, turn him over to the Romans and crucify him. He said that in Matthew 23, that that's the same chapter where he says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And the whole 23rd chapter is, 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 is devoted to a denunciation of the, of the religious hypocrites who were blinded to the fact that he was the Messiah. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I, how I yearned for you, how I wanted to gather, how, he said, how I wanted to gather you under my wings like a hen would her chicks, but you would not, meaning you would not accept me. Remember John said in, in the first chapter of John, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Well, he came unto the Jews. He came unto Israel. He came unto his own. He came unto the vineyard. In Isaiah, God said, I set up, God said in Isaiah, I set up a vineyard and I was hoping for choice vines, but it, it, it produced wild grapes. Well, Jesus, in essence, was saying, the, was, was saying the same thing. I came unto you and offered you the kingdom, and you rejected the kingdom. And so that's why the kingdom has been delayed, because the Jews rejected the king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. The Jews rejected the king, and so the king said, okay, we're going to have to put this on hold for a while. And that while so far has been 2,000 years. So Jesus said to the Jews, how I wanted to gather you, like a hen would her, her chicks, but you would not. Then he said something after that. He said, your house is left unto you desolate. Your house is left unto you desolate. Speaking to the Jews who had, who were, who had rejected him. The Jews said, we would not have this man to rule over us. They turned him over to the Romans. Even when Pilate wanted to let Jesus go, the Jews said, we have no king but Caesar. The Jews rejected the Prince of Life. The Jews rejected their Messiah. The Jews rejected their Savior and said, we have no king. Now, this, this shows how messed up man's mind can be when he's blinded by sin. We have no king but Caesar. The same kings who were oppressing them. That would be the same as if black people said, we don't want to be free we have no king but the plantation owner. We'd rather be on the plantation uh, going through the brutality of slave life and Jim Crow, etc., 
that to be liberated. We have no, in other words, it would be like black people rejecting um, Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation for the brutality of slavery. That's what the Jews did when they rejected Jesus. They said to, to see to, to Pontius Pilate, because Pilate, Pilate wanted to let him go. Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. I will scourge him. I'll whip him, flog him. I will scourge him and let him go. They said to Pilate, they ran the okey-doke on Pilate. They said, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king is not a friend of Caesar. When they said that to Pilate, he 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 got tight. You know, he's he, he oh I can't do that. You know, I'm oh no, I'm not. I don't know if Caesar finds out that I'm 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 supporting this Jew who's calling himself a king, they're gonna be problems. So my point is, Jesus said, "Your house is left unto you desolate." Now, why is that important? Because about thirty-two years later. Let's see, Jesus was crucified in about 30, I think 33 AD. Uh, 30, so if you add 37 to 33, am I right? Yeah. If you add 37 to 33, you get 70. So 37 years after Jesus said that, guess what happened? Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed by the Roman legions, by Titus and the Roman legions. So when Jesus said, your house is left unto you in desolation, he was prophesying, he was predicting. He was predicting that the, that the judgment of God would come upon the Jews because they rejected their Messiah. They rejected the prophet of all prophets. They didn't just reject Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hezekiah, um, 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 Hosea, Nahum, and the rest of the long line of prophets, right? Now they rejected the prophet of all prophets, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I say all that to say that we have to pay attention to what's going on in the earth. As, as believers, you can't have on a watch and not look at the watch every now and then. Now, I don't wear a watch anymore because I have a cell phone. So I haven't worn a watch probably in five, six, seven years. But even having a cell phone, you can't have a cell phone and not look at it every now and then to see what time it is. So, so for those of you who wear a watch, you can't wear a watch and never look at it. The purpose of wearing the watch is to know what time it is. And so what's going on in the earth today? And we don't know the severity of it. it, it, it and I'm not being a doomsday prophet. I'm not even being a prophet. I'm, I'm saying we don't we don't know the severity of this situation. I just read in the morning. I just read this morning, um, and this is not some fly-by-night website. I read in the New York Times uh, 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 that uh, a link said that a couple of cats have caught the coronavirus. Now, what does that say? A few weeks ago, they said a lion at the Bronx Zoo uh, had the coronavirus. So what, what, what is that saying when now animals, so now it's gone from, if it's a bat virus, which many experts believe it is, so now it's gone from animals to humans, and now it's it's now it's going back to animals. This could be this could. And I'm no medical expert, okay? You know, as as the president would say, I'm no doctor. This could prove to be very problematic. We don't know. You know, he's he's assuming that this thing is going to go away because the weather's getting warm. He's making a very dangerous assumption. Even if it does uh, um, slow down a little bit during the warm weather, it, it doesn't mean it's going away. These viruses don't; these viruses tend not to go away. 
They say the sires went away. Okay, has it? Or is it laying low somewhere only to be uh, uh, reinvigorated by some kind of you know stimulus, etc.? Long story short, if we're going to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because that's, that's my theme, I don't want to get away from that, we have to pay attention. We can't just be uh, running around the church saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and we're not noticing what's going on around us. These things that are going on around us, there are three things that normally go together. Famine, pestilences, war. Those three things normally go together. Famine, 15% now of the meat producing factories in this country have shut down. One of the factories feeds 4 million people a day. 15% of the food uh, meat producing, excuse me, 15% of the meat producing factories in the country have shut down. I saw a video clip where people in Africa were fighting over food. Uh, and I know we say, oh, in Africa, that's, not, that's nothing new. No, this was in Nigeria. Nigeria is not, a, not, not, not one of the poorest African countries. Nigeria is a very oil-rich, very wealthy country. It doesn't mean everybody in Nigeria is wealthy, but Nigeria is a, is a very oil-wealthy country. But, but there were people, um, a, a film clip, a news clip that I saw the other day, uh, they were fighting over food. And it was tied somehow to this virus. So what I'm saying is there are three things that basically go together in scripture. And so in history, in reality, famine, lack of food, pestilence, which would be plagues, and uh, war. Now, we don't have world, we don't have world war right now. Most of the wars that are going on right now are over in the area of Afghanistan, etc., but all I'm showing you is that these three these three things often go together because when you have war, you'll have famine, uh, crops being burned up, etc. Or if you have pestilence, you can have famine, especially if you have locusts or something that eats the plants, that eats the fruit, etc. You can have famine. So famine, war, and pestilence often go together. So I'm saying all that to say that um, let us let us pay attention. Let us pay attention to what's going on around us because these are signs, signs that lead to the greater sign. Let me say that again. It's, it's very important that I make that point. There are signs that lead to the greater sign or signs. So if, if in the last 2000 years we've had pestilences, we've had plagues, we had the plague in the, in the Middle Ages, the, uh, the bubonic plague where millions of people were dying. Uh, and because of uh, and they found out it was because of fleas that were on rats, millions of people were dying. We had the bubonic plague, we had the we had the flu of 1918. They call it the Spanish flu, but but that it, it's not because it started in Spain. It, they say it started in Kansas. We had the flu of 1918. That was the year that my maternal grandmother was born. Uh, that flu killed up to, again, estimates 100, 100 million people, about 700, 800,000 people in this country. Uh, that was during World War I. So you had soldiers training in the United States. They were in very close quarters, probably very unsanitary quarters. And then they would go. Remember, this was World War I. So you had England, France, the United States, Germany, 
in, in some of the same countries that were in World War II, because historians say that World War II was really just a continuation of World War I. So you had these soldiers carrying the flu all around the world. They would get on ships, etc. Now, you know when they're on ships, they're in closed quarters. They didn't have the sanitation that we have today. And they were carrying it around the world. And the way I understand it, some of the politicians, including the president of the United States at that time, Woodrow uh, Wilson, also tried to downplay it, kind of like what President Trump is doing today. You don't want to trust the politicians in something like this because the politicians are going to look out for their their political well-being. You want to trust God and you want to and you want to trust to a certain extent you want to trust the medical authorities. You don't want to trust the politicians. There are some politicians you can trust. I trust I, I trust Governor Cuomo on this, you know. I don't I'm from New York state so I know I'm a little bit biased. I trust Governor Cuomo on this. I don't trust President Trump at all on this. He'll 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 sell his mother out for 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 four more years in the in the in the presidency. That that's 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 just his DNA. That's just his extreme narcissistic personality. I do not trust a word he says because he'll say one thing on one day and the next day. The way he threw the governor of Georgia under the bus, the way the governor of Georgia supported him, and he supposed that that right there that lets me know this man is is probably um 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 what's that called not a not a um not a sociopath he may be a psychopath this man i don't believe he has any conscience so trust god and ask the lord to speak wisdom to you knowledge and understanding and trust and trust them and, and trust medical authority because they know what the dr fauci knows what he's talking about Dr. Burks knows what she's talking about. These other doctors, these immunologists, uh, these uh, these people, uh, these epidemiologists, these these uh, people who 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 deal with this stuff all the time, you know, who are who are who are who are around blood and 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 uh, and you know other things all the time. They know what they're talking about. Not 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 the president who's trying to promote some drug because of his gut feeling. Your gut feeling, <laughs> no. Trust the medical, trust Dr. Fauci, trust Dr. Burks, etc. All right, but as Christians, we can't have our head in the sand, or we can't we we can't have our head in the sky and not know what's going on around us. We grow as we we grow as we. Jesus said to his critics, he said, he said, you can look in the sky and tell what the weather's going to be. But you can't tell the signs of the time. He said that to his critics. He said, you can look in the sky. Because there there's an old saying, red sky, that, red sky at night, a sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, a sailor's warning. Meaning, if you see a reddish sky at night, it's going to be good weather. If you see a red sky in the morning, a reddish sky, that it's going to be bad weather. So Jesus said to, to his critics, he said, you can look in the sky you can look and, and see and see what the weather's going to be, but you don't see the fact that your Savior is standing right there in front of you. You don't you don't see the signs of the times. So when you see something like this going on, this is not just going on for no reason. Whether it started in a lab or whether it started with an animal, a serpent, a bat, a rabbit, or a, a, a camel, the Bible said these things would happen. That's why those of us who spend a lot of time in the in the Word. And spend a lot of time with the Lord. This stuff is not surprising us. We're not freaking out over it. So when I hear of earthquakes here and earthquakes there and earthquakes there and earthquakes there and earthquakes here, I'm, I don't freak out over it. 
because it's it's just like I I've already I've already read the newspaper. I I've already read the newspaper that said these things would be happening. Jesus said these things would would happen. Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, Luke 21, Mark 13. He said these things, he said when you see earthquakes in di in, di in in diverse places, he said famines, he said in in um uh, Matthew 24:7, Luke 21:11, he said he said famines, pestilences, pestilence uh earthquakes in many different places he said when you he said these things would lead up these signs would lead up to the day of great wrath and tribulation so again i can understand people in the world being blind to this but people in the church are not supposed to you know be freaking out saying you know what in the world is going on if you're freaking out over these things and you're wondering what's going on, that's a good indication that you have not spent time in God's word because God's word has already said that these things were going to happen. All right. So we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when we walk in the anointing that we receive from Jesus, the Holy One. Now, what does it mean to walk in the anointing? Because that's a, that's a word that's thrown around a lot. What does it mean to walk in the anointing? All it means is really is to be touched by God. And anybody who, anybody who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and has a mind to live for God is walking in the anointing. You don't have to be a preacher, a bishop, a pastor, uh, uh, um, a cardinal, uh, a reverend, a priest, uh, a pope. You don't have to be one of those exalted titles to walk in the anointing. When, when John said this in First John, he was speaking to the church that he was uh, that that he was speaking to. So you don't you don't have to wear a, a clergy collar or have a degree from a seminary to walk in the anointing. To walk in the anointing really just means to walk in obedience to God. To walk in the anointing means to walk in obedience to God. To walk in God's uh, favor. Uh, uh, um, what was I reading? I was reading something. It might have been. It might have been today. Oh, oh, it was yesterday. I was reading um, Daniel, and the angel of the Lord came to Daniel because Daniel had been praying. This is in Daniel chapter nine. Daniel had been praying because the Jews were in captivity in Babylon for their sins. Jeremiah had prophesied, "Y'all gonna be in captivity for seventy years." If y'all don't get right with God and stop worshiping these idols and if and, and, and stop keeping the Lord's Sabbaths and all that. And the Jews didn't listen to him. They wanted to listen to the false prophets, the prosperity preachers. And they sure enough, they ended up in captivity for 70 years. Right around the end of the 70 years, when there was about three years left, Daniel read the writings of Jeremiah. And Daniel knew by reading, if you if you look at Daniel chapter 9, Daniel read the writings of Jeremiah. Let me see if I can find it here. Daniel read the writings of Jeremiah when there was about three years left on the, um, in the captivity. And I want to read it to you because I don't want to get it wrong here. So I'm going to read to you Daniel chapter 9, one of the great chapters of the book of Daniel. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that
that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel knew by calculating that there were about three years left of the 70 years of captivity. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I'm not going to read this whole thing. I just want to make this point here. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And Daniel prayed about the sins of the Jews. Lord, we have forsaken the covenant that you made with Moses, etc. But I want to show you the verse where it says... Uh, it says uh, in verse 20, I want you to listen to this. Very important here. This is talking about growing in grace by walking in the anointing. While I was speaking, this is Daniel, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, this, this is strictly Jewish here, and, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, who I, whom I had seen in the vision, at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, he touched me about the time of the evening uh, oblation, which would be like the evening prayer. He informed me and talked with me and said, Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the and uh, 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 supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And then Daniel goes on to receive one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible. It's called Daniel's 70 weeks. It's called the 70 weeks. I don't, I don't want to get off into that right now. But in the King James, it says you are greatly beloved. In another Bible, whatever Bible I was reading yesterday, it says, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Did you hear that? The angel Gabriel, who's an angel of revelation, if you notice, whenever Gabriel came, he came to give people revelation about God's will. He came to came to Mary to let her know she would be pregnant with the with Christ child. Came to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth to let them know they would give birth to John the Baptist. Gabriel was a is an angel of revelation. So he came to Daniel and said, Daniel, the Lord heard your prayer at the beginning. You are and in this Bible it says it says, greatly beloved. Whatever Bible I was reading yesterday, the NASB or whatever, it says you are highly esteemed. And the point I'm trying to make is we walk in the anointing of God when we are highly esteemed by God. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say we walk in the anointing of God when we have high self-esteem. There's a difference between having high self-esteem and being highly highly esteemed by God. You can have high self-esteem, but not be highly esteemed by God. You can only be highly esteemed by God if you have a mind to walk with God. So the angel Gabriel came to Daniel. You know, Daniel was confessing the sins of the people and his own sins, but the Bible never mentions any of Daniel's sins. Now, I know we were all born in sin. And Daniel wasn't arrogant enough to say, they sin, they sin, they sin, get them, Lord, they sin, they sin. Daniel said, we have sinned, Lord. We have broken the law of Moses, etc. And the angel Gabriel came to him and said, Daniel, the Lord has heard your prayer. You are, you are highly esteemed, it said in one Bible. In that Bible there was the King James. 
Daniel, you are greatly beloved. So to walk in the anointing of God, really, to be to, to, to boil it all down, to boil the to boil the water out of the pot, you know, when you're boiling eggs, to boil it all down, to walk in the anointing of God simply means to walk with God. I am I am walking with God. I am highly esteemed because I love the Lord. I'm not better than anybody else. But I love the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. That means I'm highly esteemed. And anybody who loves the Lord, anybody who loves the Lord is highly esteemed. Anybody who has a mind to obey God. And God knows who has a mind to obey him and who doesn't. Anybody who really wants to obey the Lord. Anybody who really wants to serve the old Lord. Anybody who has a, anybody who has a sensitive conscience conscience about sin. Oh Lord, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry I, I said that to that person or, or I'm sorry I did such and such yesterday or last night or whatever. Anybody who has a sensitive conscience about sin and wants to both get right and stay right with the Lord, that person is highly esteemed in God's sight. See, we think the anointing is some only reverend so-and-so who's on TV can have it. No. Or only bishop so-and-so has it. No. Or only apostle so-and-so. No. 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 Everybody has a head. Right? The head on your shoulders. Everybody has a head. The psalmist said, Lord, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. So anybody who really loves the Lord can have that same testimony. Lord, you anoint my head with oil. And oil in the Bible normally normally represents the uh, the presence, the moving, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So anybody who really loves the Lord is walking in the anointing. It doesn't mean you're a preacher, an apostle, a bishop. Uh, 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 it means that you're walking in the anointing of God. You're walking, you're, you're letting the wisdom of Christ richly dwell within you. You're spending time with the Lord. Now, people who are not spending time with the Lord, I'm not, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who, who want to spend time with the Lord in prayer, in God's word, in supplications, in fasting. Uh, 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 these people are highly, now, now God loves the world. He, he loved the world. He gave his son. That's not the issue. But everybody ain't accepting the Lord. Now, let's just face it, y'all. Everybody doesn't accept Jesus. I'm talking about those people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they want to walk with God. They're highly esteemed. Daniel, 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 you are greatly beloved. You know, whatever Bible I was reading yesterday, because I read about four or five different versions. Some versions I don't read. I ain't, ain't going to touch them. <laughs> but I, I normally read about three, four for King James, New King James. It might have been the New King James. I can't remember. It might have been the New King James, where he says, you are highly, you are highly esteemed. Right? Okay, that's New King James. I'm going to see if it's in this one. If it's not, I'm not going to keep looking for it. I'm just going to ask you to take my word for it. Whatever Bible I was reading yesterday... Daniel chapter 9, and it says, verse 20, uh, Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, 
O Daniel, I have, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Uh, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Okay, King James says greatly beloved also. But whatever Bible I was reading yesterday, you are highly esteemed. My point is, you don't want to have high self-esteem at the expense of being highly esteemed by God. Because there are a lot of people who have high self-esteem. They're not highly esteemed by God because they don't love the Lord. They're not highly esteemed by God. You want to be, I'm not telling you not to think well of yourself. The Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you not to love yourself. I'm not telling you not to think well of yourself, not to take care of yourself, not to be well-groomed, etc., take care of your health and all that. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, though, there are a lot of people who have high self-esteem, but they're not highly esteemed by God because they don't walk like Daniel walks. The Bible says about Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. When he was carried into Babylon with the other children of Judah, of Israel, King Nebuchadnezzar tried to give them meat that had been offered to idol gods. Daniel said, no, 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 no. We're not eating that meat. Because, not because it was a sin to eat the meat, but because the meat had been offered to idol gods. And it might have been a sin to eat the meat, depending on what kind of meat it was, because there were certain meats that God didn't want the children of Israel to eat. But, but the meats had been offered to idol gods, and Daniel knew it. And Daniel and, and what we call the three Hebrew boys, no, 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 we're not eating that. And they didn't get arrogant and try to fight. They petitioned and asked if they could uh, go on what we now call the Daniel fast. They asked if they could fast for 10 days. It said, I don't, I don't want to get off, you know, I don't want to get way off into that. But the point being, Daniel, the Bible says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Those are the people who are most highly esteemed by God. People who, who purpose in their heart, Lord, I'm going to obey you. Lord, it's, it's tough. Lord, it's tough out here. There's temptation on every side. And Lord, there are times I want to say yes when I should say no. And there are times I want to say no when I should say yes. But Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you, even though I don't always feel your presence. Even though, Lord, it sometimes it seems like you're, 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 you're just far away. And, and it just seems like, you know, at times I'm just, you and I are just not connected. But that's where we walk by faith and not by sight. But the angel Gabriel, who had been sent by God, the angel Gabriel said to Daniel, you're highly esteemed. And so I want to encourage you to make sure you're highly esteemed by God. Because what's being pushed in, in our culture today is self-esteem. So there are even books written about how to have, how to have high self-esteem. But the point I'm making is if you're not careful, you'll have high self-esteem, but, but, but it doesn't mean you're obeying God. It just means that you're following some psychological uh, you know, formulas so you can think well of yourself. But if you're thinking well of yourself and you're not obeying uh, God in Christ, then you're not going to be highly esteemed. All right. So I hope, I hope that made sense to you. Okay. We grow and we have the courage to admit that as Satan is the father of all lies, all who deny who Jesus is, the Christ, the anointed one. See, Christ is called the anointed one. We are all anointed. Those of us who love the Lord, we're all anointed, but Christ is the anointed one. Capital A, capital O. That's what Christ means. Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. 
Christ is Yahshua Hamashiach. Christ is Joshua the Messiah. He is the, he is the anointed one. I am a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. Christ is the capital S-O-N, son of God. He is the son of God. That's why when he said he was the son of God, the Jews took up stones to stone him because they knew what that meant. When he said he was the son of God, the Jews knew that he was saying that he has that unique relationship with the father. They also knew he was saying that he's God. John 5 and 18, don't take my word for it. There are people who say Jesus never said he was God. Yeah, he said he was God in uh, uh, hundreds of places in the Bible. When he said, I'm the son of God, he was saying he's God. He's, he's divinity, capital S-O-N. That's why the, the, the Jews, even though they were blind to the fact that who he was, they knew that when he said he's the son of God, they knew he was declaring himself to be the fulfillment of, of the prophecies of the Old Testament. I am the, I am, remember when he was talking to the woman at the well, eventually the conversation got to the point where Jesus said, I who, because the, the woman said, I know that when Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. I know that when, oh, I'm about to get excited here. I know that when Messiah comes, I know that when Messiah comes, I'm losing my pages here. I know that when Messiah comes, he would tell us all things. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because that's not the gist of my argument right now. Although I do want to go to John chapter 8 for a second. I know that when Messiah comes. John, John 4, 25. The woman said unto Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming which is called Christ. See that? Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. When he comes, he will tell us all things, meaning he will reveal to us what we need to know. Now, did Jesus say, okay, when he comes, let me know. Jesus said unto her, John 4, 26, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus said, I'm the man. <laughs> so, you know, people, Jesus never said, yeah, he did. He said, I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the Almighty. He said, I'm the Almighty. Now, how is Jesus going to say he's the Almighty and he's not saying he's God? I'm the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the Almighty. It's in the same verse, Revelation 1.8. I am the Almighty. He said to the woman at the well, I who speak unto you am he. And then the woman left her water pot and went and preached. Come see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this not be the Christ? The Christ, the anointed, the promised one, the one Moses promised that the Lord would raise up a prophet like unto him. So what was I saying? I said, we grow in grace when we have the courage to admit that as Satan is the father of all lies, all who deny who Jesus is, because that was a major theme, that was a major theme of, of, of 1 John. John said, who is, a, who is a liar? This is John speaking now. He's speaking under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Now watch what John said here. Watch this. 
He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. He's not saying that that person is the Antichrist with the uppercase A. That individual has not come on the scene yet. John was saying, if you deny who Jesus is, if you deny that he is the one who came down through 42 generations, if you deny that he is the one who became flesh, God became flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh, the Bible says in John 1:14, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Hallelujah. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the same man who wrote the Gospel of John wrote 1 John. Who is a liar? He is Antichrist. He's not saying that person is the Antichrist, you know, 666 and all that. John is saying that person has the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist means to deny who Jesus is. Antichrist means to be against Christ and or replace the biblical Jesus with another Jesus. You've got the Jesus of the Bible. You've got the Jesus of the cults. You've got the Jesus of our imagination. You've got the Jesus of our desires. You've got a lot of Jesuses out there. The only Jesus that we should be clinging to is the Jesus of the Bible. You got a lot of Jesuses out there. Charles Manson said he was Jesus. David Koresh said he was Jesus. Jim Jones said he was. So you got a lot of Jesuses out there. Who is a liar, John said. Now, if a person is a liar, if a person is walking in that lie, where is that lie coming from? That's where I want to go to John chapter 8. Where is that lie coming from? This is King James. I love King James, but I'm going to go to, uh, let me go to, uh, let me go to, let me go to New King James here. Well, yeah, New King James. It's almost the same, except it doesn't have the thee, thou, if thou, would if thou, should thou, if thou, filleth not. And it really doesn't bother me, but I know there are a lot of people, the younger generations, they, they don't want to hear all that Elizabethan English. So the New King James is almost the same. All right. Listen to what Jesus said to his critics. Okay, listen to what he said to his critics. Because they were accusing him in John chapter 8 after he had forgiven the woman, taken adultery. They, they accused him of uh, not being who he said he was. And I'm going to start at verse 37. Jesus said to these Jews, I know you are Abraham's descendants. Now see, that's important because they were depending on their, their lineage to make them right with God. You can't do that. He was letting them know just because you're Abraham's descendants, you still have to walk in the truth of the gospel. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Now, listen, this is very important. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. That's important. People who try to people who try to disrupt what you're trying to do for the Lord. If they're doing that, it's because they have. The word of God, the love of God does not dwell within them. If somebody's trying to stop you from doing God's will, why would somebody who why would somebody who has the word of God, the love of God in them try to stop you from doing the will of God? Listen to what Jesus said. I know you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father. 
It's about to get rough here. And you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. You, you, do you hear that pride, that arrogance? That's why John the Baptist had to say to them, think not to say, say within yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for God is able of these, of these stones here to raise up children unto Abraham. John the Baptist had already told them a few years before this, don't trust in, in, in your Jewish lineage to make you right with God. As important as their Jewish lineage was because they were the chosen people, they still had to be right with God through obedience. And the, and the greatest act of obedience would be to trust in God's son whom he had sent. But they rejected the son, but yet they claimed to be so in tight with God. Jesus said, excuse me, they answered and said to Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They're still wondering, who's he talking about, about father? They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Uh-oh. If God were your father. Uh-oh. If God were your father, you would love Jesus. How can you love God and not love his son? John makes that same point in his epistle. He who does not love the son does not love the father. Jesus said in that in John 5, I believe it's John 5:23. This is John chapter 8, but he said in 5:23 that all should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son, capital S-O-N, does not honor the Father who sent him. I always use the analogy, if I send my children to you and you disrespect my children, spit on them, slap them around, even kill them, you've disrespected me, their father. You can't say you love me. And you disrespect, torture, spit on, slap around, kill my children, defame my children. I sent my children to you as, as, as ambassadors. And you, you, you disrespected them. You disrespected me, their father. Well, that's, the, that's what Jesus was saying right here. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Uh-oh. Now watch what he says next. This, this is, I hope you're sitting down when, when you hear this. You may want to have, some, um, have um, your seatbelt on or something. Jesus said in John 8, 44 to these Jews, and it could have been to Gentiles, but he said it here to Jews in, in the context of them being the, the covenant children of God and all that. So he's speaking to these Jews. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He says, you are, he said, I know y'all Abraham's children. In other words, he's saying, I agree with you. Genealogically speaking, you're Abraham's children. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and his 12 sons had a bunch of children. One of them was Judah. Out of Judah came the kings of Judah, including David and Solomon. And eventually that, that lineage came down to Jesus. Jesus, was a, Jesus really is a descendant. Biologically, Jesus was a descendant of his mother because his mother was a descendant of David's son, Nathan. 
So Jesus was a descendant really through Nathan. Joseph was Jesus' legal father. Joseph came through the line of Solomon. Jesus, though, was a biological descendant because of his mother, Mary. Mary was a descendant of one of David's. So if you read the genealogy, I know nobody likes to read genealogies and chronicles and all that, but you really need to read those genealogies, even if you read them a little bit at a time. Jesus biologically was descended through his mother, Mary, through Nathan, who was one of David's sons. All right. So he says, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He's talking about the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's why I, 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 I asked the Lord, Lord, help me not to lie. Because sometimes it's so easy to lie. But I say, Lord, help me not to lie. I don't care how painful it is. Help me not to lie. Because when you lie, in essence, you're, you're, you're in league. Even if it's temporary, you put yourself in league with the devil. Because the devil is the father of every lie. So I ask the Lord, you know, Lord, help me not to lie. Help me, Lord. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a liar. Because to, to be a liar means... That I'm, in essence, I'm agreeing with the things of the devil because the Bible, Jesus said, you're of your of father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. He's a liar from the beginning. I tell you, he says, when he speaks, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. You hear that? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He says, you are your father, the devil. Now, this is Jesus talking. He said in the book of Revelation, there was a church in Revelation. He commended that church. He says, I'm going to make certain people come and bow before you. They are the synagogue of Satan. Meaning he was talking about Jews who were Jews biologically, but they were persecuting the church. He said in Revelation, I believe he said that, I believe he made that statement twice, but I know he said it um, um, concerning the church at Smyrna. He said, I'm going to make these people who call themselves Jews, but they're the synagogue. You know, a synagogue is a Jewish house of worship, right? They are of the synagogue of Satan. I'm going to make them come and bow and worship before you and to know that I have loved you. So we grow in grace, my main point being, we grow in grace when we have the courage to admit that as Satan is the father of all lies, all who deny who Jesus is, the Christ, the anointed one, the only savior. Let me say that again. The Christ, the anointed one, the only savior. The Christ, the anointed one, the only savior. You, you've seen the YouTube clip and it's about 25 years old. So you, you don't want to judge a person today by what, you know, they, they may have said 25 years ago. But you've probably seen the YouTube clip where Oprah Winfrey, when she had her TV show, she was, uh, she was denying that Jesus is the only way to salvation. 
She was saying, no, there are many ways. There have to be many ways to come to God. But that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way. Crockett didn't say it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 